Page, Senior Account Executive for FSI Open Text Africa. Um, hello, Susan. It's lovely to see you under these conditions. We're doing this virtually. Um, great to see you. Tell me something about uh, FSI and Open Text. What exactly does Open Text do? If I had to meet you in the street and we had to talk about Open Text, how would you describe Open Text? So, hi, Aki. Thanks for the invite. Um, very nice to meet you, albeit virtually. Um, so yes, OpenText uh, Corporation is a Canadian-based company um, that develops and sells enterprise information management software, basically aimed at unlocking the information advantage for our customers. We, are, we offer an exceptionally broad um, and, and in-depth set of solutions. So uh, to make it a little bit easier, we try and divide it into pillars, um, in particular six. So enterprise content management, uh, customer experience management, uh, the business networks that we cover, data discovery in sort of the forensics e-discovery space, security at a data level, as well as artificial in intelligence and analytics. So as I said, exceptionally broad, um, applicable to almost every single area of the businesses across all industries. And obviously today we're speaking about um, the involvement of open text in a banking situation. I mean, banking is fascinating and it's undergoing such incredible changes as it has been for five years and even longer, perhaps. And I guess what we're seeing right now is an acceleration of that kind of stuff, whether either be legacy software, uh, you know, moving to the cloud. You, you shared a fascinating paper. I think it was with uh, it was Jim Maroos or Marcus, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. But, um, you know, they are one of the most influential banking figures you know, internationally. And it was quite an interesting white paper, the future of the, the future of work in the banking world. And tell me about those key takeouts from that particular research you did, because banking is going through an incredible metamorphosis at the moment. It most certainly is. Um, so yeah, the the areas that he really touches on is the remote uh, the remote workforce. Um, he speaks of the challenges thereof. You know, how have we adapted or how does the workforce from a banking um, sector perspective work now remotely? Uh, disruptions, is there space? You know, what, what area of your home do you claim you claim to be your own? The general technology um, issues that we all experience from a Wi-Fi perspective. Do you have printers, scanners, big screens, etc.? cetera? Um, children in the workspace. So those are sort of the disruptive areas that he, he covers. Um, then, you know, how are initiatives and you know banks are constantly innovating all the time how those initiatives um progressing now that you're working from a remote perspective uh security information so security of all of the, the data that is now going outside of the firewalls because everybody's working from home you know they're working off uh, personal wi-fi's they're working off personal uh, devices and the likes um how has that been taken care of and then also the skills so you know we've all had to adopt and adapt to the new technologies that we are using now because we don't, you know, we're not plugged into our, our LAN at, uh, at the office anymore. So how um, are we being taught to use all of these new technologies? And that's an area that he really goes through, the analysis of uh, skills and are there gaps? Yes, there are gaps, certainly in the banking space. Um, what what kind of cost does that, um, or sorry, what are the banks incur from a cost perspective? That's uh, gap analysis. So it's really about, you know, how the remote workforce are operating now in this uh, new day and age. 
it's so fascinating, Susan. You know, I've been talking to a couple of the banking execs um, over the last few weeks, and it's incredible when you look at the start of this lockdown and so many of these organizations thought, you know, took what was impossible and made it possible. Um, you know, having workforces remote, working remotely, many of the banks are going to continue to adopt this. And I guess uh, it might be a hybrid model. I think we're all trying to figure out how it's going to be augmenting into our lives. But it's really, really interesting to look at this and the impact that it does. Of course, banks are critical when it comes to their customers. And the customer experience is the most critical thing. If you talk to any organization, you talk about customer experience, customer experience, customer experience. Do you think that the banks have got it completely right? And if not, what are the, the changes that they need to make to get the customer experience right in this world post-COVID? Oh gosh, you know that's it's a it's a long and it's a difficult and complex question. Um, so you know, banks have got huge problems with uh, their legacy products and systems already. Um, you know that's not as a as a, um, a spin-off of the COVID instance. But so you know as it stands today, if you want to um, get I don't know change your your loan application home address. Uh, you phone an 0800 number and you get directed to a certain division. If you want to inquire about a credit card, you get directed to a different division. So there's no seamless experience currently. Um, and as I said, this isn't, isn't just as a spin-off, but certainly now with the remote workforce, how are they actually dealing with this? Um, so yeah, it's been plaguing the, the banking customers for a couple of decades already. But now that there is this massive focus on transformation, because we've all been pushed to work remotely, digitally, you know, we've all got to now step up to the plate. The banks have got the opportunity to, um, you know, make the changes that, is, that are required. And from our perspective, it's, you know, make, make banking a customer experience and not a customer problem, which is what I always, you know, sort of felt. Um, so traditionally, you know, banks have used their staff to over, be it call centers or, you know, personal bankers. They've certainly used their staff to walk through all of these complexities with their customers. But now, as we've seen, you know, the products offerings that the banks are coming up with um, are just that much more complex. And the skills for the staff on the ground haven't necessarily grown as exponentially as what the complexity of the various customer choices are that the banks have to offer. So, you know, the, the requirement for the banks to now adopt the newer technologies, the emergence of, you know, the likes of the AIs and the MLs in the world is an absolute imperative for them uh, just to make solving customer experience um, issues with a high level of resolution, with a quicker and more accurate set of um, answers. Yeah, that is so fascinating. And I guess that you probably see the newer banks that have been, you know, cloud first banks that have had that kind of technology seem to be a lot more agile than the traditional players. But I'm sure that they will get there. You know, the, the one thing that you find that whoever you talk to about in the banking industry or the ICT sector, um, is the, the challenge of skills and getting the right skills to do the right things and getting the right people. Um, and when we talk about technology and augmenting technology with humans and the next stage of this evolution, um, what do you think is required to leverage the technology together with the, the human capabilities to get it quite right? Um, again, you know, interesting and challenging questions. So, you know, competition and technology is, it's moving so quickly. Uh, normal processes, in, specifically in the banking area, in, in conceptualizing a problem, uh, defining a solution, building it, 
testing it and then training the workforce is becoming increasingly more difficult because you've got to deliver these things much much quicker. Um, you know, it's a, it's a highly competitive environment that uh, the banks are working in. <coughs> Sorry, beg, beg your pardon. To add to this, the increasing breadth and the depth of all of the products offerings. Uh, and you can see why it's now becoming quite difficult, um, you know, to provide a like, sustainable and personalized customer service from a human perspective. So the pace and complexity is increasing and the ability to service the customer and adopt, or, you know, just general uh, customer service is getting harder. So embracing the new technologies that are emerging is definitely going to address some of these issues. <clears throat> so machine learning and AI are really the only ways that companies can internalize the learning and support needed uh, to make the customers feel understood and appropriately responded to. Uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence systems can rapidly assess, uh, you know, customers' preferences and their needs and make suggestions to the customer without any human intervention. So, for instance, um, you're going, you know, you're using your internet banking all the time and the bank, with all the data that they've accumulated about you, could, through machine learning and artificial intelligence, come up with a, a notification to say, hold on, but you're not using this feature in our internet uh, banking space that would help you... Uh, pay quicker or for instance um, we notice that you're traveling uh, here's an instant insurance form for you to fill in for for your visa application or, or such or such lacks you know press Y here so that's that's instantaneous it's intuitive it's innovative and it's actually proactive as opposed to me phoning the bank and saying listen guys I'm traveling can you please uh, offer me some form of insurance let let the banking applications with this emerging technology just help push out that, that kind of offering to the customer. And that's not, as I said, with any, any form of human intervention at all. Wow. So, um, that is so fascinating, sorry. Susan. I mean, you talk about AI, you talk about big data, and of course, you know, the amount of data that the banks are sitting on, um, if, they, if they really had to use it properly, it could be a very powerful tool uh, to sell services, know more about their customers, you talk about this, this uh, you know, this symbiosis, this, this incredible change that's happening. My question is, that, do you believe the industry is prepared for this? Uh, so, unfortunately, I mentioned Jim's uh, study a little earlier, but through that study, which was conducted globally, granted, it wasn't just a local study, uh, there is an employee consensus that the skills development has not been sufficient. Um, and then this highlights an important note that, for one, the customer-facing systems are not ready. Um, the internal systems and processes are similarly not properly geared to address the new normal. Um, so what this will lead to is dissatisfaction of the customer and worse, possibly employee dis dissatisfaction um, and lower morale, which you definitely don't want. You know, with this remote force, you don't have that kind of team energy. So you just, you, you need to be propping up the employees. So whilst you're working in your little home silo, as I, as I call it, you don't have the benefit of leaning across the partition. Um, and asking for assistance from your work buddy, like I often do, or used to. This now has to be a scheduled event, you know, you have to put a Teams meeting in place in somebody's diary. It doesn't necessarily happen because everybody's diaries are absolutely chock-a-block. So, you know, they're just, you're not uh, leaving, leaving enough time, um, or you don't have enough time to actually answer some of these really critical questions to, you know, answer some of the customer requirements that are being thrown at you. But the industry has to adapt. We don't have a choice. Um, you know, the banking sector certainly doesn't have a choice. So um, I think, depending on the mechanism that the bring that the, the ba banks bring about to address the skill gap analysis, or sorry, the skill gap within the employees, 
will differentiate overall success between, you know, both internally as well as addressing the customer's needs. Um, and that will, it will determine who is more successful during this, this crisis. And, it, you know, we'll see as we get out onto the other side um, how that has actually played out. So, you know, they, yeah, no, sorry. No, I was going to say, you know, the basic skills are entry level requirements, but now how to understand and use and adapt these technologies appropriately will certainly, certainly show us who's going to lead the charge in this role. I mean, Susan, you've been in this business for a long time. I think it's more than two decades that you've like been looking at banking and been in banking. I mean, this is a once in a lifetime event that's happened and we surely can't compare you know, the, what was available from an IT infrastructure 20 years ago, let alone five years ago. But it's been interesting to see how financial services, the entire sector, has responded to the crisis. I mean, what kind of responses have you seen that have stood out? And just like a general overview, um, how the financial sector has responded in this crisis? Yeah, so, you know, I think all the banks have responded with deliberate, considered responses, which protect the industry and, you know, and ensure that the customers have the best chance of survival, along with complying with all the regulatory things that are popping out as well. But having said that, there have been winners and losers in this this challenge. I've definitely seen it. I, I bank with three different banks, so I can honestly say that I've got a, you know, a fairly broad spectrum against which to compare. So those banks that have uh, got well-developed digital processes have seen customers rapidly consume their services. That's easy because that was always available um, and they were prepared before this actually hit. But those with the sort of more, the more clunky, um, poorly integrated processes that need a lot of human intervention lost. So I think the interesting thing is whether those banks have lost businesses, you know, when they've lost businesses, do they even know that customers are defecting? And e even if they did know, you know, have they, or would they have the time and the kind of um, business uh, processes to actually counter the fact that these customers are defecting? So I think in summary, the problem statements of all the businesses today accelerated by this current pandemic is the same. It's, you know, can my bank deliver the personalized products and unique services customers need at a price point and scale better than anyone else? Some are succeeding by leaps and bounds over some of the others. Um, and yes, you know, were they digitally ready and were they able to adapt i think that's it's been a question and some as i said have definitely fared better than than others in the well, last you can certainly you can certainly see that susan i mean the companies that really stand out through this crisis i mean when you look at the the, the financial sector and you look at the the heads of it that need to make these changes what advice would you give to these people in the banking sector <laughs> really uh, have to really make some changes pretty quickly. Yeah, so um, I feel a bit cheeky saying that because, you know, I've really worked with some of the best leaders in, in the industry over the last 20 years. Um, and honestly, I do believe that South Africa is one of the more progressive countries when it comes to banking services. Um, and that's probably as a result of the ever-growing competitive landscape of the banks in our country. I mean, gosh, we've certainly seen the emergence of a few in the last few years. Um, some leapfrog others with regards to customer satisfaction, customer retention, and the likes. But um, certainly in the last five months, as a population, we've been forced into the digital services due to this lockdown. So the opportunity to pop into your branch was removed for a brief period. We all had to lean on the digital offerings from our banks. My view is make banking a more gratifying and satisfying experience, not a grudge experience, you know. So banks can deliver better services because of the customer insights they have. They've got all the data. It's in abundance. It's everywhere. I mean, so just as an example, Aki, uh, my, my recent retail experience, I was um, 
looking for a 30-year-old DVD for my father's 80th birthday. Um, and I'd gone online and, you know, I'd searched all of the various um, online retail instances and I couldn't find this DVD. Obviously, it's not, it's not highly sought after. Anyway, so I left and I thought, okay, gosh, I'm probably never going to find this thing. But while I was, one day I was uh, going through one of my favorite uh, news websites and suddenly pops up this little window on my right-hand side to say, we have found the copy of your DVD. And I thought, gosh, that's, you know, that's quite proactive. And I, I purchased it. I didn't interact with them post my first inquiry. They proactively interacted with me. They pursued me, you know. So having said that, though, even though they met my requirement, uh, has that made me loyal to them? No, probably not. Uh, you know, it will eventually, perhaps, if I use their services again and they're as proactive as they were, then I may become a little bit more loyal to them. But um, just as a matter of interest, I haven't been contacted by my bank in this five months, you know, the five-month period or six-month period to ask whether there's any need for money management. Is there a better way for them to, you know, assist me in my expenses? Um, my only interaction with my bank in the last five months has been to uh, refeeker myself. So surely at this time in the, in the, the crisis that we're in, there's got to be a, a higher level of service and understanding of money management, you know, just for the, the regular Joe on the street. Um, so personalize it. I don't know, you know, become a bit more meaningful to me. Become my Wikibank, you know, understand what I do on a day to day basis and come up with personalized offerings that will just help me live a little, be, you know, a little easier. As I said, make banking a bit more fun, a bit more gratifying. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. If and a little bit more human. Huh? Oh, absolutely. Wow. Well, listen, you, you had me a DVD. I was trying to work out what is a DVD because I'm a millennial, as you know. Um, oh, oh, oh. Uh, you know, part of the, the Netflix generation, you see. Nice, <laughs> Ronaki. Uh, thank you. Susan, it's been great talking to you. And I'm not going to ask who your bank is, but uh, you certainly have planted lots of thoughts in my brain about that customer experience and banks have a lot to do. So we thank you for your time and uh, really fascinating listening to you. Susan Page uh, from Open Text Africa, thank you and we wish you well and I hope your bank gets in touch with you pretty soon. <laughs> thank you very much, Aki. It was an absolute pleasure speaking with you and take care. Thank you.